Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Williams. And today on the show, we're going to learn what it takes to grow, or rather, to raise beef, pork, lambs, chickens, and bees. So our guests today are Brenton and Mika Pelabor from Ontario, Canada, and they're going to talk us through what it was like to start their farm essentially in the middle of COVID, how they handle raising all of the livestock, how and why they started selling direct to consumers. For example, you can go on their website right now, which is just anguscreekfarms.ca, and if you're in their area, you can order a bunch of beef, honey, lamb, all of that good stuff and it takes a lot more than you might think to you know manage a consumer website like that where you can sell frozen meat other products honey stuff like that so we're really going to talk about kind of a lot of the challenges they faced their backgrounds and really what it's like also to kind of raise your kids on farms and let them experience that and kind of see what life is like so i hope you enjoyed this podcast episode it was great to interview brenton and mika be sure to check them out at the links below in the description and enjoy the episode. All right. Well, Brenton and Mika, welcome to the Farm Traveler podcast. How are you two doing? We're Good. doing great. Yeah. Good. So I, I found you guys on the magic of Instagram. Y'all are up in Canada. I'm down here in Florida, so I'm a little bit jealous of kind of the coolness y'all might have in in Canada right now it's like 102 degrees here in Florida so a little bit jealous of your climate there in Canada but y'all are in Ontario you farm a little bit of everything I mean sheep cows chickens honeybees cash crops so I don't imagine y'all have any free time at all Um, so kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what got you two started farming all right I'll I'll start um by the way, it's like mid nineties here today, so not too much difference in Florida. But <laughs> it's probably one of the hottest days—not the hottest day of the summer—but it doesn't usually get much hotter than this. But 
how we started farming i grew up on a farm my dad uh has always been farming ever since i was little uh he had a a feedlot a cattle feedlot and then maybe around 2000 he transitioned to a cow calf operation um had about 200 cows at one point and then got out of the feedlot after bse um i don't know if you would know remember that but it's a big deal in canada when that happened so that's kind of how i grew up around the cows and then right before i left home they actually started getting into goats and uh but we didn't go that direction so then yeah and then when i so i actually owned cows with my dad when i was in my teenage years and then i went to college for um it's a process operator it's a job name but basically i work in the oil refineries in the town close to us so i actually sold all my cows meek and i got married we moved to town and we didn't do a lot of farming for probably four or five years um i helped my dad and everything but i didn't have any we didn't have any livestock and we didn't have any land at that point so i just would go and help whenever they were doing stuff and then 2016 we bought the farm that we're on now moved here and then kind of expanded from there well sweet well mika what about you what's your background yeah, so I uh, grew up in the country. I didn't have a, my parents didn't have a farm, but we had a nice piece of property out in the country um, and lived fairly close to my grandparents, actually, right down the road. And they um, farmed for their entire life's cash crop, and they also had pigs that they raised on their farm. So we would be there lots of times, but I wasn't, um obviously fully submersed in that part of it, but grew up familiar with agriculture and um, um, yeah, not not heavily involved with chores or anything like that, but knew, um, you know, kind of the ins and outs, what was going on. Um, I went to school for, um, I got a degree in family studies actually, and French and I got married and then yeah, we lived in town for a little bit and he had always said he wanted to grow up and be a farmer, you know, get married, have his own farm. But, you know, naive me, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, let's, yeah, that sounds good. And then, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, here we are farming together. And it's been a huge learning curve for me. Um, just, you know, learning, learning all of that kind of stuff. Um, he's a very gracious teacher and very patient with me as I learn, learn all the things. But yes, I, I don't know if I could say I would envision myself growing up, marrying a farmer and being a farmer myself. So it's been an interesting journey for me. <laughs> no, I bet it has. I mean, that's such a very, a very interesting spot to be in. Like you're not very involved in agriculture. Then all of a sudden, like you are more involved in agriculture than a lot of people out there. So I'm sure kind of like you were saying, there's a lot of learning on the job and just kind of figuring things out as you're going. And I mean, Brenton, like, I'm sure it's difficult for you because like you grew up doing all that stuff. And so you've got somebody, you know, that 
hasn't been around all that stuff. So you've got to, you know, communicate it, educate them as best as you can. And kind of, especially, especially because like, you know, you're working with a spouse and I know that that can be very tricky at times. Yeah. It's, uh, especially with the cattle because I grew up with the cattle and, um, you just, when you spend a lot of time around livestock, you get to kind of, I don't know, you just get a, it's hard to explain to somebody, but you just kind of like feel how the livestock are reacting to you. And you can kind of adjust your movements based on that when you're trying to handle them and everything. So that part is uh, always difficult to teach. But then like recently we got into the sheep and we both never raised sheep before. And that was a good, it was really good um, kind of developing those skills together. And uh, I don't know, that's kind of, we really have worked well together in that aspect of the farm, especially, I would say. Yeah, so, it's been nice. Go ahead. It's been nice. You know, uh, like obviously we still have cows and everything, but um, when we decided to uh, buy our flock of sheep last uh, September and get into that, I think it was a really good sh shift for our family in the sense of we all can be involved um, you know, out doing chores, we can sort sheep together, we can we can be a part of the lambing and it's more of a team effort than than more of me feeling like, oh, I'm just trying to be help as helpful as I can. Um, it's been nice to kind of have a little bit, well, it's been a confidence builder for sure for me, just knowing that I can do things and I, um, yeah, just more of a team and less of me just trying to be a support role. Mm, okay. So yeah, if y'all don't mind, walk us through kind of that whole process of uh, kind of going through and getting lambs. Cause I know lambs are a, a huge responsibility. I mean, any livestock <laughs> is. And so, I mean, not only were you learning how to take care of lambs, you also were trying to figure out how to take care of them while you have cows, pigs, chickens, and bees and a whole bunch of other stuff going on. So what was that whole process like? Um, <clears throat> we kind of, I don't really know how the whole idea originated back like a long time ago I actually had when I was in my teenage years I thought about getting into sheep and um, talked it over with my dad and he kind of steered me to do um, cattle so that's what I did and it was was good and uh, so I've always been kind of interested in sheep and then um, one of the one of our neighbors that we work pretty closely with he switched from feeding cattle into sheep and my brother and my dad are doing goats, which are similar. They're doing dairy goats. So mm. pretty, I mean, a different revenue stream, but similar animal. And um, basically we kind of came to the point that like um, maybe sheep would be easier for a family to work with, but then also, maybe a little more um, efficient at using our resources that we have. So we kind of decided that we were going to do it. We did. So we started doing some research and uh, honestly, like YouTube, <laughs> Facebook, like Facebook groups um, was great, great resources. Cause there's always people asking questions or teaching you, kind of things you want to do 
So then we were kind of learning along, kind of just feeling it out. And then um, while in the Facebook group, there's always the occasional people who are talking about their sheep. And one thing I had learned from buying cattle, we had bought a cow herd in 2018 and we kind of just bought from the random guy and just picked a few cows and didn't really get him preg checked even and just like, and it was okay, but we ended up, it cost us a lot of money because some of them weren't bred and then some of them weren't good. So when we got into the sheep, we wanted to make sure, one of the things that we wanted to make sure when we started with the sheep is that we weren't gonna go, I can be a little cheap. We weren't gonna be <laughs> cheap on what we started with because we, I've learned it, it only is gonna cost me money, more money in the end probably, probably be cheaper just to get pay up front and get high quality sheep. So we found a guy that we really liked the way he raised his sheep, kind of the same way we had envisioned raising ours out on pasture uh, for a decent amount of time. They still lamb in the barn, kind of, they're going to have a lot of lambs and you expect the ewe to do a lot of the work where as in what I mean by that is like this breed of sheep is a redo and they can have like <clears throat> three, four, five lambs at a time. And most people that I found when we were doing research for sheep said, well, you know, sheep only have two teats, so you can only have two lambs on them. That's it. Well, we bought a breed of sheep that's we wanted to have as many lambs as possible so this guy he would make his ewes have three lambs on him which is good if he had more than that you bottle feed him but we wanted to get ewes that were like good working ewes that would take care of their own lambs try and keep a little of the workload off us um so anyways we settled on getting them from him and then he was actually a really good resource we went to his farm he showed us, we went to his farm during lambing, which Mika and I talked about after this past lambing and we're like, he's got a crazy for like, just spending the day walking around with random people, showing them what he's doing. Cause lambing was pretty busy for us, mind you. Well, it was our first time. It was mm -hmm. our first time. He's an expert at this point, I guess. But. but he showed us everything he does for like lambing and feeding and weaning. We helped him wean lambs that day in all his, protocols basically and he gave us lots and lots of resources for that so that was huge hugely helpful and then um the other keys to learning about the sheep i guess would have been finding a good nutritionist and finding a good vet that we can we communicate with quite a bit so they can always answer questions and help us as far as that goes. And I think that's, I think those three kind of keys, getting good quality sheep and having the contacts like the vet and the nutritionist and other farmers has helped us a lot getting started for sure. Well, that's good to hear. And I mean, it, it, it seems like if you kind of like surround yourself with people or even you get on sites like YouTube, you can find some great experts. I mean, no matter what topic that is, like anytime I want to try to figure out something, I always just hop on YouTube. So, I mean, that's awesome that you guys were doing that. And you also found, you know, some farmers to get advice from. You were building relationships with 
um, nutritionist and all that stuff. Um, I mean, so are you looking forward to doing it in the future or were you kind of overwhelmed by all of it? Um, <clears throat> no, uh, we are looking forward to doing it in the future. I think um, ever since, really since like we moved into town and we were looking to get back into farming, <clears throat> we've been searching for some kind of niche to be able to farm in. And because um, we originally looked at buying like chickens, but up here it's um, we have a quota system, so it's quite capital intensive. Mm. Then we looked at um, we we did end up well we went into cash crop, cow calf, our direct to consumer business, and then we come to sheep. And I think that is going to be one of the main trajectories of our farm going forward it has only been a year but that's kind of where we're leaning to is expanding the sheep operation um, going forward for sure so that mean as you expand the sheep are you going to kind of decrease other inputs like maybe the cows or chickens or something like that or or are you just are you guys just going to continue to expanding it and see what all you can do (laughs) um well a good question (laughs) (laughs) yeah we've kind of it is a good question. We, I think we right now are still trying to make sure we're going after the right part of our business. But I think mm-hmm. in the end, when we do decide after a bit of a track record of where we want to go, we will have to cut out um, one of the other many mm-hmm. enterprises or side enterprises yeah. to just be able to focus I find when you get, when we have as many things going on as we do sometimes, sometimes you can't do them all really well. So um, in some ways, if it's small enough, it's so you can get by, but once it starts to get more and more work, it'd be more profitable just to be focused on a few things than to do 10 things, I guess. Mm, That's true. And, And kind of speaking about that profit thing, I've noticed that a lot of farms have started to do um, kind of direct-to-consumer businesses, and it looks like you guys are doing that, and it looks like y'all have been pretty darn successful at that. So, I mean, what has that experience been like for y'all? Um, yeah, so it's been a journey for sure. <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah, it's just we've just kind of been riding the wave. Um, when Brent and I first started farming. Um, I think there was, and there still is, passion for um, kind of educating people on where their food is coming from. I think it's so important. People need to be asking questions um, where their food is coming from, and they should want to educate themselves. And that was a large part of, of why we started doing um, direct-to-consumer. We did we have this passion for, for educating people and, and having them be involved in what they're eating and knowing how their food is grown and having a relationship with the farmer. Um, um, let me just think of my train of thought here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. And, and so we kind of, with our beef business, that's where it all started. Um, we started doing beef boxes. We had this idea well, I guess actually originally first we started doing hats and quarters to our friends and family and that mm. kind of grew through word of mouth. 
And um, then we started this idea of doing beef boxes, which is like a smaller um, option for those who might not want to stock their whole entire freezer with half a cow. Um, and then we got into the chickens and we started offering chick whole chickens and we added some pigs and we started, <laughs> you know, offering pork. And we found our, as we added all these things, um, customers really responded well to it because we're now offering three sources of protein and people really enjoy. And I think it's, it's helpful to them when they come to the farm, they have the option of buying beef, chicken and pork. Um, so, so that was good for our business. And, and I guess we do honey as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have some bees, so we offer honey as well. But For the direct-to-consumer, diversity is definitely an advantage for sure. Because we'll go, so we go to a farmer's market near us. And um, every, like you think it would be consistent what you would sell, but every week is different. We'll sell, one week we could sell. 10 pork chops in the next two weeks, we sell none. Some weeks we sell all steaks. Some weeks we sell bacon and sausages. It's just the diversity really helps that business when you're selling directly to pe to consumers because they don't want to, nobody really wants to eat the same thing all the time. So, yeah. So that's, that's really been helpful to have the different, different proteins available. Um, so once we started kind of growing um, past just friends and family and, and getting uh, people that we don't don't know directly, um, we want we decided to go open start a website, and so we did that. I think it was a couple two years ago, or how long have we had our website? Mm -hmm. Two years, yeah. And that was a great way for us <clears throat> to be able to manage our inventory well, and it was super easy for customers to to go onto the website, place an order, and then they can select a time for pickup. Um, so that's been really helpful in that that aspect. And yeah, we're we're doing markets like Brent said. Well, we do one market. Um, just fit that into our schedule in the summers. But yeah, I think it's been going good. It's been <laughs> successful, I think. Well, that's good. And I mean, I know when it comes to meat, that's always super difficult to kind of keep large quantities of. So how big of a challenge has that been? I mean, not only keeping like large quantities of beef or chicken, but just all of it. I mean, beef, chicken, just everything yeah. you guys have. So what kind of a challenge has that been like? It's a challenge. The mm -hmm. logistics of it are terrible. Like it's just, <laughs> when we started, it was like, okay, so we had to butcher the cow and we sold beef boxes and we sold all the beef boxes from that cow in like a week well we didn't have another cow to go to the, that was kind of like our pilot see how this goes we didn't have another one for like four months so it was we were waiting and then we kind of was like okay this might actually work so we'll kind of start lining things up since covid happened or around that time like local butcher space has been brutal to get mm -hmm. like for beef, the preferred butcher that we use is like, he's maybe a little better now. Maybe he's only 12 months now, but he was 18 months out for a spot if you wanted to butcher. So if I called today, it would be Christmas of 2024, 2023, that would be his next spot. 
So for us, that's like it was very hard to plan accordingly when you when you have have your your cows and you have people who want to buy beef, but you don't have any butcher spots. So once our calves were born last year, we called right away and and had them in so that we could run our business accordingly and have meat available throughout the year. And it's, it's challenging to work through that. But then you get some times where you get a bit of a slow time of the year, like yeah. March and April are slower or have been slower for us. And uh, it was like, okay, well, <clears throat> a year and a half ago, we booked all this beef because we knew we had to, if we wanted to have the spots, but then now, we're starting to run into like storage issues after <laughs> they're butchered. So it's like, okay, well, we got to try and like sell as much meat as we can because, or we got to like push selling it so that we have enough room for the next cow that's going in. So it's kind of definitely been in waves of like going, going from oversupply to undersupply and back. And hopefully, you know, over time, those things will smoothen out, but it's definitely been a challenge trying to just because it's not a you can't just go out to the barn and make a whole bunch more steaks like it's not like a, <laughs> a business like that like you got to have it's planned way in advance two years in advance so it just doesn't happen overnight yeah no that's true and I mean I, I feel like that's something that a lot of consumers don't really know I mean if you've got to really maintain and plan things out because if you don't have something then I mean guess what you guys aren't going to turn a profit if you guys don't have something that consumers want and they're going to go somewhere else and so once you have them once you have that consumer loyalty I mean if you don't have their products when they want it they're not going to come back to you probably and so it's really important to have that stuff on hand for whenever they whenever they actually want to buy it you know It is and we have we have had to you know turn turn people away and say we don't have that right now um but brent and i are like i said earlier we're very passionate about people knowing where their food comes from and we have a lot of local farms around us actually within probably 10 minutes um just from us that we will say to people hey have you checked out this farm um they might have it in stock or have you checked out this farm because even if it's not coming from us I still want people to know where their food is coming from. And I, I know these other farmers are producing quality products as well. And so I do kind of, you know, value community over competition. And I would never hesitate to turn someone, well, I, I don't like to turn people away, obviously. But if I don't have the product, um, I don't hesitate to say, hey, try our neighbors or try this person. Um, cause I think it's just important if you're gonna, if you're about eating local and supporting local farmers, um, you have to be willing to, to do that in your community as well too, I think. That's a really good, um, point. And I mean, when you do that, you're not only helping like your local community, you're also helping agriculture as a whole. And so, I mean, do you guys think if, if people did more of that, like if they just kind of tried to focus on their communities their the farms locally to them? Do you think that might kind of help solve kind of some of our food problems like, I don't know, food insecurities or, I don't know, carbon emissions from transporting food everywhere? Do you think that might kind of help? Well, yeah, I, I think so. I, I mean, if I am telling my customers, hey, try 10 minutes down the road that they might have, I know they, you know, I know what they raise and I know that it's awesome food and it, it's 
yeah, it potentially um, saves them from driving, you know, wherever they are or going to the grocery store, or whatever. It's not bad to buy anything from the grocery store. I'm just saying um, for those who like to support local and, and um, support their local economies, I think it's great to be able to do that. And I, I feel like we're fortunate enough. Like there's, when I say we have a handful of people around us, literally, I, we probably have four or five neighbors around us who are doing direct to consumer as well. And um, they're also rocking it. So our community here where we live has been, um, I think they're great at supporting their local farmers. Well, that's good to hear. And I mean, kind of going off of that a little bit, did you see a lot of that support whenever um, the pandemic happened? Because it's been very interesting to kind of see what um, the shift has kind of been like as people are, I would say now like post COVID or I guess kind of post the pandemic, people are kind of more and more curious about where their food comes from. They want to get out, they want to eat better. Um, And so did y'all kind of see that happen whenever the pandemic started? Like people are kind of building and kind of focusing on their community? We kind of just started into direct as COVID was coming in, mm. yeah, but I feel like a lot of like um, a lot of consumers definitely latched onto the buying local and directly from the farmers during that time because of all the things that were going on in the grocery stores about not having food all the time when they wanted it. So, I mean, for us, that was really good. And the support in our farming community has always been pretty decent, but I can't speak to uh, before COVID, I yeah, guess. Yeah, because we were kind of just starting before COVID had started, so we have nothing to compare it to. But just from, you know, hearing people speak about it, consumers speak about it, for sure, it's definitely um, helped. Sorry, Brent, hold on one second. Brent's pointing at me. What? <laughs> no worries. Oh, okay. Our earphones are... Okay, we're good. Oh, nice. No worries, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, man, y- y'all have kind of had it tough. I mean, since y'all were starting out like around COVID, um, it seems like this is all y'all have really known. And so I'm sure that's kind of helped y'all really like, I don't know, kind of figure out how to diversify your operation, figure out what works out. Because I don't know of anybody else that would kind of kind of go through the weed whack or whatever they're starting out their business because that's a tricky time to get started. Yeah, I think I think it kind of just happened for us. Um, like I said, we were doing halves and holes to our friends and family and the beef boxes, and then um, we had always kind of discussed starting the website. And then there was actually a couple government grants for small businesses here in Ontario um, where they. Um, worked with small businesses to help them start up a website. So that's actually how our website came came to be um, was through working with um, working through that program, and it's been helpful for us. Uh, they worked with us to set up our website and um, offered us offered us that resource, and it's been helpful to our customers. That's good to hear. And I mean, even looking at your Instagram, which is Angus Creek Farms, I mean, y'all have got a bunch of really good reels that are getting some good numbers. I mean, you've got one with like 14,000. So I mean, I mean, what's that been like? I mean, it, it sounds like it's been crazy for y'all. Wait, wait, wait you've got one with 200,000. Dang, that's pretty good. Oh, oh yeah, man. That, that was yeah. mine. That was mine. Yeah, made that friends, we sometimes do competitions with each other. And well, actually, we haven't been doing that in a while. But you know what? Instagram is super tricky i oh it's a love-hate relationship with instagram these days but i struggle sometimes you know with the algorithm and Mm. and 
Oh, yeah. To me, it's more important for my local community to be able being to see what we're doing um, than, <clears throat> you know, getting 200000 on on a reel. And sometimes it is nerve-wracking because, you know, like, we are sharing our, our family and our farm, and sometimes we sign on, we're like, wait, how many views did that get? Yeah, we don't, you know, ah, intimidating, but... Um, yeah, it's love hate with Instagram, but it's been good though. Yeah, it it definitely is like sometimes you get those ones that get really high views and and you get a lot of followers when you get those views, but then for our business, it's a very local business. So, we do really count on like if we could have 10,000 followers, but if all of them are from somewhere more than a couple hours <laughs> yeah, away. Yeah, somewhere where you can't pick up our meat from our farm, then it's, you know, how valuable is that to your business? I'm not sure, but... What we really like Instagram for is that, like, it's a really good way for us to continue to communicate with our customers on a daily basis of, like, what's going on on the farm, what we're doing, and I feel like it's a really good way to add value for our customers without like free obviously but it it really helps them to enjoy where their food comes from I think well and that's the thing right when we when I first started talking about how we were were very passionate about people knowing where their food comes from um, Instagram is a great way for us to show an inside look on how we raise our animals and that's how we build trust with our customers from them seeing, you know, us doing chores and how we plant our fields and how we are caring for our animals, all that kind of thing just adds value um, to our product, I think. No, I bet whenever you had those reels and they went, I mean, pretty viral, like 200,000 views, 100,000 views, I'm sure you all had a quick little panic of like, oh gosh, are we going to get like 200,000 orders in? Do we have that much product? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> I don't know what we thought it was kind of selling out's not a, not the worst no, no, thing no, in the no, world. Oh yeah, it, it's it's a good problem to have. You're like, oh man, we we've made it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's been good. We 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 do actually really like using Instagram mm. for our business and just communicating with customers through there. It it is nice. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's such a great tool because people can now, you know, go on there and they can literally Google whatever they want or, or I guess look up on Instagram anything they want. And I mean, they can find, you know, ranchers or people raising lamb or beef like you guys and pretty much everything and just kind of see what's going on in a farm. I mean, I mean, like you were saying, you guys do a great job of just kind of showing what family life is like on a farm. I mean, you've got your kids working with the pigs, which I think is so cool. Like, What's it like just kind of watching them grow up on a farm and just kind of figure out things as they're working? It's it's pretty awesome, actually. Like, they <laughs> love being out on the farm. And that's one thing for COVID, for us, we got locked down quite a, quite a few times. And there was really never a problem with the boys being bored or anything. It was just like, go play outside. There's tons of stuff for them to do. And then they love helping with chores. And uh, I know it teaches them a lot. It teaches them about responsibility of like, you got to care for the animals. You can't, you have, there's 
chores you have to do and you have to do them every day. And that's just the way it is. You don't get to take a day off just because you don't feel like going outside or because it's too hot. Mm-hmm. And not that we like make the boys do chores, <laughs> no. but they see us doing it and they, I think they get that. And then they also get the like caring for the animals. Like we're not, the animals are part of our business and they help us make money, but we are, we need to take as best, the best care possible for, of them so that they can help us. So they see that as well. And just a work ethic too. It teaches them if you want something, you're going to have to work for it. That's true. And I feel like a lot of um, kind of farming families kind of share that, that, I mean, really you learn a lot of stuff growing up at a farm, like hard work. And I mean, like I grew up on kind of on my grandpa's catfish farm down here in Florida and mm-hmm. it was super fun. Like I got to watch them sing the ponds, like kind of catch all the catfish and all the bass. And I mean, I never really got to do that by the time I was a little bit bigger, I they had stopped doing it, but it was just kind of fun just watching them and really kind of learning some great valuable lessons there, which I think a lot more people need for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think so for sure. I, I sometimes get messages on Instagram or we'll be out at the market and people will tell us um, how much their kids enjoy watching our videos and being, seeing what we're up to on a, on a daily basis. And to me, I, I love that. That is like the biggest compliment to me that the fact that you show your kids and they love watching um, how their food is grown and learning about agriculture. I think that's great. I I don't know if it's the preschool teacher in me that just loves that, but um, yeah, it's, it's one of the biggest compliments. And, and honestly, it's, it's such an honor that kids look up to us, I guess, but Mm. yeah. it's important for kids to learn about where their food comes from and for them to be involved in that as well. And kids in general are just drawn to farm life, I think, (laughs) but yeah. I bet it is. That's so cool. Um, So what are your plans for the rest of 2022? Like, what do you guys have planned? Um, Is there going to be any sort of rest and relaxation for y'all? Cause y'all have some pretty, pretty full plates right now. Um, Yeah. yeah. Um, we do have full plates. Um, Brent and I talk about this all the time because, you know, he works um, a full-time job off the farm and we are very busy. Um, but I always say, and this is something that we always talk about, we're busy for what we make time for and our family is a priority in our life. And we have to work very hard to make that a priority in the midst of all the busyness. And so, um yeah, we we do go away for a week in the summer and we go to a cottage and we've try, been trying to make that um, a tradition for our family and our kids love it. They're already looking forward to it. Um, but it definitely it definitely is a challenge to get off the farm. We have to find um, somebody to watch our animals and we try and set it up the best that we can on the farm so that it makes things easy for anyone coming in. Um yeah, that's kind of what we're doing for the summer, but um, we do have to be very intentional with our family time and and things like that. Yeah, but I it bet, is, it's I bet important. That, oh, no, no, no. I bet, I bet it's really hard kind of balancing because, I mean, there's so many responsibilities you all have. But, I mean, also, you got to put family in there as well and figure out where that goes, which usually it's towards the top. So you got to figure out how to balance everything. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm yeah. sure that's easier said than done. Yes, it's it's good though. Like even even with the boys coming out and helping us with chores or just riding in the tractor, riding on the four wheeler, it's good. But then there are always those times where you try and slow down even for half an hour when they come at just before supper, like, Dad, can you play baseball with us? And, you know, you got to try and take those opportunities, especially when you can, and just enjoy those times. Like, yeah. take the time to slow down a little bit just for them. Oh, that's true. I like that. That's a very good way to put it. <laughs> um, we work very hard at it. It's not, you know, it's not, it's challenging. And I know it's it's sometimes easy to hear people say, oh, you know, like, you just do it. It's like, well... Yeah, it's it's not always flawless. It's not always perfect. Like, you know, whenever we say, okay, now it's family time, you know, there's tears and it's not always enjoyable and doing chores with our kids. It's not always the fun times that you may that we may show on Instagram. That's, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, you do do all that with your kids outside. And that's great. I could never do that with my kids. I'm like, okay, well, I don't show you the (laughs) (laughs) I don't show you the tantrums and the the bad parts. I don't want to do that to my kids and put that on on online. But um, yeah, it's intentionality for sure. Mm, No, I bet it is. Well, Brenton and Mika, this has been super fun. So if people want to follow y'all, we'll link all the links everywhere in the description. But um, you guys are Angus Creek Farms. You're super active on Instagram. Is there anywhere else they can go to check out you guys? And even if they're in Canada, order from y'all and try some of your awesome products. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Just our Instagram and our website, anguscreekfarms.ca. That's basically where we hang out. Mm Mm-hmm. Deal. Well, perfect. Thanks yeah. so much for having us. Yeah, it was a blast. This is our first podcast. <laughs> hey, and y'all did get. Hopefully, it is not your last. Did we pass? <laughs> yeah, you you definitely passed. I hope I didn't scare you away from podcasting, but y'all did great. So, super excited to chat with y'all. Yeah, and great to virtually meet y'all. Um, yeah, best of luck. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks. Thank you very much.